go of me. You guys are awesome. Yeah, you got it started. First Sunday I ever walked up here to uh, be the uh, preaching minister at this church, Kayla said, uh, John Duncan, preach the word. So thank you for saying that. I think you're right. Well, good morning. I'm, oh boy, I need a little more than that from you. I'll give you a little more, you give me a little more. How's that sound? Good morning. Good morning. Okay, just make sure you guys are with me. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, we have coming up in uh, a couple of weeks a marriage conference, and it's a simulcast. It'll be here at Gateway. It's by Jimmy and Karen Evans out of Amarillo, and uh, they'll be on the screen here. It'll be live happening in Amarillo, I believe, and then it'll be uh, live here. Now, we're going we're gonna to offer that to our entire community. Anybody in the community that wants to come for free, uh, usually you want to go to a marriage conference, you have to pay for a hotel, travel, you have to pay your fee to get into the deal, to get a book, whatever. We, we just want to give that to our community, okay? So we're going to be putting it in the newspaper the next couple of weeks. You're going to be starting to share with your neighbors and friends and coworkers, and you're also, I hope, going to be praying yourself about coming to the marriage conference. Now, the last time we did a marriage conference here, we had a couple who had been married well over 50 years that came to that marriage conference. And I don't know if they were, you know, if they had like gone to the lawyer and got divorce papers and it was just imminent, you know, this 55-year couple were just going to get divorced any day and they had to come to a marriage conference. I don't think so. I think part of the way that they stay married for 55 years is they keep growing. And so let me encourage you, if you think, well, we don't need that. We're good. Everything's fine. Perfect. It's a perfect time to come. Perfect time for your marriage just to grow even further. So that's going to be on February 13th, that evening, uh, dinner at 5.30, and then the conference that evening. And then the next morning, we'll come back, and it'll be in the morning time until about noon. So make plans and share with the community. Well, that's going to be a, a really great, great thing to strengthen our families, strengthen our marriages. And if you're not married, you're welcome to come, too. We had people last time that came who were dating each other, and we had people who came who just wanted to learn to be in relationship better with people. And maybe we had some people who came who were hoping they might get married, you know, so that's good too. Uh, marriage is a good thing. So we'll, we'll encourage you guys, encourage you guys to be here. Well, we're in our series on the book in Romans, and I have to tell you, I have really loved this series. We have this week and next week, and we'll be finished. And I, I'm, I've sort of been grieving it a little bit that it's going to be over because it's just been so rich. And I, I hope it's been similar for you. It, I believe if you've been reading along each week, then I believe that it, it has been. Not just because, not because of things I'm saying here, but because of how God is working in our hearts as we go through this part of the Bible. So that's what we hope. I, we hope our lessons are pointing us toward this God who walks with us. What if I were to tell you about a church? People attend every single Sunday at this church. They, they sit in their 
not assigned pews, but they're every week pews. You guys know what I'm talking about? They're sort of unassigned, but you better not sit in my seat pews, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? The collection at this church is enough every week to pay the bills, every single week. They've never been sued by anybody. The members of this particular church have been so careful in their lives not to do things to embarrass the church publicly by their mistakes and things that might happen out in the community. They have a beautiful sign out front. They take great, great care of the facilities and the building. It just looks beautiful. It smells good. It's comfortable. It's a great place. They study the Bible. They worship every week. They eat together. And they enjoy each other's company. If that's what I told you about a church and said, come to my church with me. Find a spot. Find a place that can be your pew. And come every week. And when you come that week, then come back next week. And after you've come two weeks, come back the third week. And when you've come 51 weeks, come the 52nd week. Because that's who we are and that's what we do. If I told you about a church like that and invited you to come be a part of that, I wonder how compelling that might feel to you. I wonder how excited you would be to be a part of a church like that. Here's the deal. Each church is living out a story. Each really person is living out a story, a narrative in our life. And what we're going to look at today in Romans 15 is what story did Paul live out? And what story is he encouraging us at Gateway Church of Christ in Rudosa, New Mexico? What story is he encouraging us to live out? Does it sound like the story I just told, or is it a bit more? So, let's pray, and then we'll read our text today. God, I just want to thank you today for all the ways that you bless this church family. I just feel glad. I feel really glad to be here today, God. I feel glad even during this time of the year when there's uh, a lot of people that are not here, a lot of visitors are not here, uh, when it seems like in a sense our numbers are lower, I'm thankful that the stage is full of children. I just give you praise for that, God. Thank you for the kids in our church. Thank you for the teenagers in our church. For the young people, for the singles, for the married people, uh, for the, the older people in our church, for every single person here, God, I just give you praise that we get to live this life together. And we want to live out a story that is the one you want us to live. So would you help us, please, God, help us to do that. So today, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Our text today is Romans 15, and we've heard part of that already, and we're going to read a a small uh, portion of it here. It's a very long chapter, and so we won't get to hit all of it, but let's take a look at verses 17 through 20. Paul says, 
Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Paul has a story. Paul has a purpose. Paul has a mission in his life. And that is the reason that he takes, that mission actually is that he would take the gospel, that he would take it everywhere, that he would take it to as many people, especially take it to Gentiles, as many people as possible. And so that's the reason, because that was his mission We know the story, most of us know the story of Paul's life. And that is, he left a life of success as a Pharisee. So successful, right on the fast track to being the top dog. He just walked away from it. We know he spent every waking moment trying to figure out how to get the gospel to the Gentiles. We know that he said, I'll become all things To all people, I'll do anything I have to do to get this message out. And he was persecuted. He was wrongly accused. He was hated. He was whipped and beaten. He was the survivor of a shipwreck and the survivor of murder attempts by angry mobs. And that all sounds pretty awful. But Paul also spread the good news. He spread it all over the known world. He stood before kings and he stood before governors proclaiming that good news. He started churches and he saw them grow. He mentored other Christians to continue taking this good news to the whole world. He wrote half of our New Testament and we're still being influenced by him today. What a story Paul lived. I really look forward to meeting him someday. Don't you guys think that'll be cool to get to meet Paul? There's some things he's written down that I really am confused about. And I have a feeling when I get there to heaven and I get to meet him, it won't matter anymore. But right now, if if he could come here, I got a few questions for him. But I just can't wait to meet the guy because of his life, because of his life story, because of his mission in his life. If you're going to have a mission in your life, then it's going to need process. It's going to need a plan to go with the mission in your life. You can just float down the float, just kind of go with the waves, go wherever the current carries you. You can just kind of go and just kind of see what happens in life. Just kind of bounce along. You just kind of be in the flow, be with the people, be on the big lane, you know, and just kind of going with what everybody else. You can do all that, but if you want to have a mission in your life, you're going to have to purposely stop and think about, what is my life about? And if this is what my life is about, then how can I plan or how can I process? What can I do? Well, let's look at at least three things that Paul does. Paul's mission 
had at least three things here in Romans 15 that are part of the plan of his life to accomplish that mission. And the first one is movement. And I want to put this picture up here. Maybe some of you have seen it. And it looks like movement. And I want to read as you look at that picture, or you can read along with me in your Bible. Romans 15, and listen to verses 23 through 25. Verse 23. But now that there's no more place for me to work in these regions, since I've been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. Paul's life included movement, a lot of movement. And this isn't new right here in Romans 15 to Paul's story. Paul was always moving. Paul was always going. Paul was always immediately going here or heading that direction or trying to go here and asking God to help him get there, asking people to pray for him and send him places to bring the gospel. And movement is not only Paul's idea, it's a basic principle of God's created order. Living things move. Living things move. Move. You stop moving, you die. If water stops moving, it becomes what? Stagnant. If air stops moving, it becomes stale or polluted. If a limb, one of your limbs of your body stops moving, what happens to it? It atrophies, it becomes deteriorated. Living things move. Stop moving and death begins to set in. Paul had a lot of movement in his life. And you know what I see? I see a lot of movement in our church family at Gateway. I do. I see a lot of movement. I see people like Vicki Cordova, who, if you read our bulletin, she's one of our missionaries through Kairos, through that ministry to prisons. Do you think Vicki ever set out in her life? Do you think Vicki ever at one point in her life thought, you know, I think someday I'll be a missionary to go inside prisons and stay there for three or four days. She never thought that. But she had a mission in her life to serve God. She had a mission in her life to point other people to God. And that movement led her there. I love this picture. I don't know if you can, you probably can't see it from where you're at, but in the very bottom right-hand corner down here, it has a name. And a lot of you have already seen this anyways. Whose picture is this? Yeah, exactly, Mike Davis. God has given Mike a gift of photography. And, And he did it years ago. I mean, a couple of decades ago or however long ago, he did it and he loved it and he was in it and then he kind of let it go. And God's reignited this inside of him. Initially, sort of, I think, just as a hobby, as something to kind of do on the side. And then, it's not that Mike set out to start a fundraising Facebook phenomenon. He didn't set out to do that. He never had that thought in his mind. He just had a mission in his life to to love God and point other people to God. And so, 
he, has, he, he started taking these pictures, and everybody wanted them. And I'm kind of telling your story, Mike. I hope that's okay. Everybody wanted some pictures, and, he, and they wanted to buy them. He said, I'm not going to sell you pictures. That's just my hobby. I'm not going to sell any pictures. And then God put this dream on his heart. What if when people ask for my picture, what if I ask them to make a donation to a charity of their choice? And he did that about three weeks ago or a month ago, six weeks ago. And as of today, he has, there's, there's been, to this day, about $7,000 that's been donated to charities. Yeah, yeah, you should. We should praise God for that. That's, that's applause for God. Way to go, God. You're awesome. Good job, man. Mike didn't set out to do this. But there's movement because there's a mission in Mike's life. The mission wasn't to do that particular ministry. The mission was to love God and point people to that God that, that loves us. I think about John Kiker. And John has been a doctor. He's an artist. And uh, I, I don't know if I told you guys the story before or not, but a few years ago when, they, when John and Rita first started coming here, John came to my office and he said, All right, John. To me, said to me, hey, okay, John, I'm going to come here every Monday, and I want you to give me assignment, whatever you want me to do. And I said, well, I want you to find the people who leave their phones on at church. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I didn't, say, I didn't say that. So he said, I want you to find, <laughs> sorry for whoever that was. It's just, we, it happens to all of us, okay? It's okay. It's all right. Okay, so, um, so yeah, he came off. I want, I'm going to come here every Monday morning, and you give me an assignment. What do you want me to do? Because I want to do stuff for the church. And I sit there in my office, and I and he talked and talked, and I thought while he was talking, I was praying. And I just said, John, I'm not going to do that for you. What? I'm saying I want to help. Give me a list of stuff to do. And I said, no, because I'm not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs to lead you to what you need to do. And I mean, I gave John a couple ideas. But you know, John found a ministry in Mescalero at the care center. And he's now the chaplain at the Mescalero Care Center. He's their chaplain. Now, do you think if I had said, okay, let me give you a list of things to do, I couldn't have given him that list of things to because I'm not God. And John never set out to get that particular responsibility. John just had a mission in his life, to love God and point other people to that God who loves us. And God moved him in that way. Wyatt Sparks, you guys all know, we hear about the Mexico mission and the stuff that he is. You think Wyatt ever thought years ago, oh, I'm going to be a missionary to Mexico. He never thought that. And there's an amazing ministry that many of us get to participate in. Many of us have been down there. That movement happened because Wyatt loves God. His mission in his life is to love God and point other people to that God that loves us. James Malone, through really tragedy in his life, allowed God to turn that around. And this Wednesday night, there's close to a dozen people who've been through divorce, and they're going through divorce care now with couples that have been healed, Greg and Cindy Carey and Jim and Glenda Lindenberger. And you know why they're doing that? Because, because there's movement, because James was willing to move closer to God. And, and James didn't set out to start something here. 
I've tried to get James to start stuff, and he won't, okay? And so I'm just saying, I mean, that's just a little inside joke between me and James. But I'm just saying, you know, here's the deal. God just put that on his heart, and he came in and said, we got to do this. And we went to the elders, and the elders looked at it, and they said, we do have to do this. This, You're right. God worked. Why? Because James has a mission in his life to love God and point other people to that God. And God led him that way. I just had a call this last week of a brother here in our church who said, I want to learn more about the Bible. I mean, I really want to study it hard. And he was asking me about places on the internet. Where can I find where I can study the Bible harder and learn more and more and more about the Bible? I was like, that's great. You know what? Tell me about what's going on. He said, you know, I want to serve the kingdom of God. I don't, I'm not a teacher, but someday maybe I could be a teacher. That's beautiful. That's a person who's saying, I love God, and I want to point other people to that God who loves me. And movement begins to happen. And on and on we could go. Some of you are raising your grandkids. Some of you are cooking meals on Wednesday night. Some of you are mentoring younger Christians, both you know, through, through sort of officially doing that, and some of you just have put your arm around younger Christians and you're just doing it. Some of you are teaching classes. Some of you are serving in Christian services. Some of you are volunteering to help with our youth ministry with JE. Some of you invite your friends to come to church. Some of you are starting your own small groups in your homes. Some of you are befriending another person. More for not just the reason of a common interest, but you become friends because you have Christ in common. And I don't believe all of that that I just said is just busyness. I don't believe that. I believe those things that I'm describing are movements with a purpose, movements with a mission, a mission to point people to our faithful God. And I want to thank you guys for being that kind of church, for telling a better story than the one I told at the beginning. Thank you for being that kind of people. Paul's mission started with a plan. Part of the plan was movement. Secondly, the second was that he put other people first. Other people first. Let me read this scripture and then I'll explain this picture. If you want to read with me, you can look in your Bible at Romans 15, verses 1 through 4. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. A couple of well, just a week ago was a holiday weekend, right? Isn't that right? There's a whole bunch of people in town. Did you guys notice that? Can't, can't, turn, can't turn left. And so, um, probably noticed. And we had, uh, we, we had some guests at our home. We had Amy's uh, niece, this is my niece too, uh, Kayla, and then her boyfriend, uh, his name is uh, Terrell, and they came and they stayed with us for the weekend, and they had, neither one of them had ever been skiing before. Okay. Now, how many of you in here have ever been skiing before? Raise your hand if you've ever been skiing. That's most of the people in here. How many of you have ever taught another person to ski? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you have. How many of you have never been skiing? Raise your hand. Oh my goodness, there's still time before Jesus comes back. Please. Okay, 
Now, um, Maybe you'll understand, maybe you, may, those of you especially that have skied or, or, or you've taught someone to ski, you're especially going to understand that Amy and I went up there with them and they asked us, they, were, they have classes and stuff, but they asked us, would you guys please stay here with us and teach us, okay? Well, let me tell you something. I have, I have, I have freedom on our mountain. I have freedom to go any place I want to go, in any conditions, any time. I love it. It's one of my favorite things on planet Earth. I can't imagine that God would not have it in heaven. I just can't even imagine that it would be possible. So I, I have the freedom to go anywhere and everywhere on that mountain, and I love it. And when I get up there, oh, it's just, you guys all have something like this in your life, that it's just the place, and it's the time, and oh, yes, life is good, and this is, this is perfect. And so, and so does Amy. Amy also can go all over the mountain. She loves it. She can, you know, move about anywhere she wants all over the mountain. So we have freedom. But you know what we did on that day? All day long, we limited our freedom. We limited what we're able to do, what we can do. We limited that and we stayed with the weaker. We stayed with people who didn't, couldn't do that. They didn't have that freedom yet. We stayed on the bunny hill and, and we waited in lines that were 15 and 20 minutes long to ride a chairlift that was about 30 seconds long. You know, I mean, it was just misery for me. I mean, I, it was horrible. But, you know, it was not horrible. It was great because I, I love Kayla. And I don't know about Terrell yet. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> but I'm just saying I, I love Kayla. And so that's not a sacrifice for me, to be honest with you. I had a great day. It was beautiful. It was awesome. We had a wonderful day. And by the end of the day, you know, they were going and turning and stopping, and we took them up on a couple of other lifts and all that good stuff, and it was, it was great. And that's a story not to talk about me and skiing. That's a story to talk about us and our Christian walk. Sure, you have freedom in certain areas of your life, Sure, you're able to go, and sure, you're able to, to move, and sure, you're able to do lots of things, and sure, you're, you're, you're not shackled by some of the things that you let go of years ago that, that were not correct biblically. Sure, that's all true, but new Christians are not. And so we submit to one another. We put the other person before us. We're glad to sing songs that we hate in church because we put other people before ourselves and we love those other people. And we go, I can't stand this song, but I, I look around and I'm like, wow, that person is worshiping. I'm going to join them. I'm going to sing too. That's just one little example. There could be lots of examples of ways that we put others first. One, one author who was writing about this uh, D.G. Dunn, this is what he said, the truest test of liberty is your willingness to restrict it. Only when it is liberty to deny oneself and not just to please oneself can it be counted as Christian liberty. Love of neighbor must shape the practice of liberty. Yes, you have freedom in Christ. Yes, you have that. And with that comes responsibility. With that comes a model, a person. His name is Jesus Christ. 
And that's what Paul points us to. Jesus gave up his rights. He gave up his freedoms because of his love for you and me. And we can follow his example as we accomplish the mission of pointing people to the God who gives us life. We can do that. We can join him in that. And the third and last thing is this. Unity in diversity. Unity in diversity. Listen to these verses, please. Verses 15. I'm sorry, verses 5 through 9. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring peace to God. Now, praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. Do you guys know where this picture can be found? At the post office. <laughs> I will tell you guys, the person that said that happens to be in this picture, so that makes it even better. Thank you, Gary Perry. This picture comes from our website. We could have chosen a bunch of other people. We might at another time choose some more people. But why do you think we chose these people? I'll tell you the reason we chose them. Because they all have great smiles. Look at those smiles. Every one of them. I love their smiles. Except Harlan. He looks a little sneaky. But um, <laughs> you know the reason we chose these people. Part of the, well, It's really two reasons. Okay? And the first one is this. We chose them because of the diversity of age and socioeconomics, and marital status, and education, and ethnicity, and political views, and doctrinal views. That's why we chose this group of people. Because they are a diverse group of people. Just like the body of Christ. And we also chose them because there's unity among these people. Every one of these people, every one of these people, my experience, the, what I know of their heart, every one of these people love God. And they want to know God better. Every one of these people have failures and victories. Every one of these people have weaknesses and strengths. And every one of these people on this picture are sinners, saved completely by our faithful God through the work of Jesus at the cross. Could we be divided? 
Yeah, we could be divided. But Paul says in Ephesians 2 that Jesus himself is our peace. He's made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And at the end of this chapter, Paul makes a huge deal about some money. He makes a huge deal about some money. I mean, Paul's on a mission to move the gospel northwest from where he is to the known world, more and more and more to the populated part of the world. He's on a mission, and he says, i got to go back to Jerusalem. i got to go southeast. Why? Because i got to take some money. i got to take some money over there. Well, couldn't he just send the money with somebody else? Couldn't he just do that? Well, he couldn't. He couldn't send the money with someone else. Let's listen to what he says. Verses 25 through 29. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Now, just real quickly, Macedonia and Achaia are going to be places where we find a lot of Gentile Christians. They were pleased, verse 27, to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I've completed this task and have made sure they've received this fruit, then I'll go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. He couldn't just send the money because the money wasn't just money. The money was a sign of the unity that these people shared that were very different from one another. It was, if the Jews will accept the money, and that's what Paul has to go find out, will the Jews accept this fruit? If it's fruit, then it comes from a tree, a tree that God has birthed and grown. Will they accept this money? Because if they do, then what they're saying is, we admit we are meeting on equal ground. We all meet at the foot of the cross in the need of God's grace. And I believe what Paul was trying to say with that money is the same thing we're trying to say with this picture. This picture is a sign that all of us at Gateway, we meet in unity, even though we're diverse. So if we do that, then we will accomplish the mission of pointing people to the God who walks with us and as we walk with each other. Even when it's not the natural thing to do, and it may not be natural. Some people may be thinking, now wait a second, it sounds like you're just saying like I look at that picture up there and then maybe we could make a longer picture that would include all of us and we'd just all line up in a straight line across. And you're kind of making us all equal. You're kind of saying we're all the same. And, and hold on a second. Now wait a second. I don't know about that. Remember the story Jesus told about the workers in the vineyard? Remember that? And, and he, he said at the end of the day, he started by paying the ones, in a sense you might say, who were the least the least of these, the one who's been there the shortest time, they'd done the least. 
And the guys who've been there the longest think, sweet, we're about to multiply our pay by 10. But he doesn't. Those guys that have been there the whole time, he just pays them all the same. Pays them all the same. And they say in that parable, you have made us equal to the people who only worked one hour and we worked through the heat of the day. I'll tell you what, we could say the same thing. Some of us maybe been a Christian all our lives, been in church all our lives, walked the straight and narrow, never made any mistakes, done everything really great. And we could say, now hold on just a second. You're making us all equal. You're saying that every single one of us, you're making us equal to the people who haven't done what I've done. Yeah, that's, that's, what, the, that's what the landowner says. The landowner says, are you jealous that I'm generous? I'm giving you exactly what I promised. So, I'll say this again. The story of that safe and sound church that I told you at the beginning, I don't believe that's the story of Gateway at all. I don't believe that's our story. I believe we're a lot more messy and risky and mission-minded than that story that I told you about. Our goal is not just to get people to come and find a pew that they can be their unofficial pew and fill it up 52 weeks of the year and be nice and keep the bills paid so we can be comfortable. That's not our mission. And I'll remind you to be praying for our elders. They've asked you to pray because they're working on trying to articulate that mission. They're going to be meeting today, this afternoon. While you guys all go home and take a nap, they're going to be meeting. They're going to be working on your behalf. I want to finish this today by just saying this to you guys. I'm grateful for you. I truly am. I'm grateful for this church family, and I believe you guys are grateful for one another. I believe any of us could have written that sentence. I'm going to encourage you this week, as you read Romans 16, to think about the people in this church family that you're thankful for, to think about their names. Because next week, you're going to have the opportunity to express that gratefulness to people in this room. It's going to be a bit of a participation time next week. You won't want to miss it. So this week, may you move in ways that the Spirit leads you to move, avoiding the temptation to be stagnant. This week, may you give up your freedom for the good of others who are not as strong as you are. This week, may you experience unity with other believers that are very different than you. And may all of us do those because that will be part of the process that helps us live a great story, a story that points people to our amazing and faithful God. You guys want to point people to our amazing God? Would you guys like to do that? It sounds like a couple of you would. Would you guys like to point? Would you guys like to point people to our amazing God? I believe you would. I know you would. I'm just giving you a little bit of a hard time because I love you. Let's stand and let's worship. If you need prayer, you come while we stand and sing. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let 